0: Están escuchando el viaje medianoche con el gran guillermo. Este sinofilo lo va a llevar fantasmal por millas y millas. William. Hey, what's up guys? It's me, Large William. It's actually more like the, not the midday, but the, the rush hour ride, I guess. Um, I did something that I'd kind of sort intended, I was intending to do when the midnight ride started, and that was record little vignettes and little pieces on the way home from work, which was pretty close to midnight. Uh, today being my oldest son's birthday, um... I am leaving work early and I've been so jammed up. I have, I'm behind on, on this, the shows. So I would forget I'd take this opportunity to record as I sit in traffic with, my thumb, with both thumbs up my ass. So yeah, that's how that goes. Um, I hate traffic so much. If the traffic was a person, I would punch it in the face. And I would not feel bad about it because I hate traffic so much. Um, anyone who's lived in Toronto can tell you that... Traffic is the fucking worst in the universe here. Like, people say L.A., and I know L.A. traffic's bad, but I've heard in reports that were done that L.A. and Toronto and I think Barcelona are all uh, pretty much on par. So I'm jacked up. I've got a lot of caffeine in me, a lot of Tim Hortons, a few large double-doubles. I'm rolling uh, on down the road, and we're going to talk about a British film from, I want to say, 2008. The Children. Now, the Children was programmed by the Death Rattler himself, Aaron. The Mighty Man, one half of the Mighty Duo that was the Mill Creeps. I, for some reason, I never really put two and two together, and I still i am digging a leap of faith, I guess, by saying this, but I never really wondered or I put two and two together as to why Aaron picked this film for me. It's about a group of evil children. Uh, well, no, it's actually not about a group of evil children. It's about some children that do evil things more accurately um, and as I was watching it the realization hit me that I have children and all that, I knew I had kids man this is going to be a mess of an episode I knew I had kids but the realization that I had connected the dots as to why this was programmed came to me I'm not always the sharpest knife in the drawer so this was a film I had heard about I believe it was part of the eight films to die for or Whatever that series was a few years ago, that kind of became the law of diminishing returns. A few decent films came out of there. I think Rogue did, or one of those decent Crocodile films. Uh, a few other solid entries, but by and large, the much like Masters of Horror, uh, it really didn't live up to the billing. So I'd heard some good things about this. Aaron picked I'm glad he did. It was a more contemporary film. Um, Directed by a man named Shankland, uh, Adam Shankland maybe, Steve Shankland, I can't recall. This will be the most professional show in the history of cinema, or in the history of cinema podcasting. Um, I'd not really been all that familiar with Shankland. As I've said off and on the air, sometimes I get a little bummed out as to the state of horror. Now, I know horror, like any genre or any art, um, will go through lulls, but like anything, if you dig deep, you'll find what you're looking for. I obviously wasn't digging deep enough because this film was completely off my radar, and and I think it kind of became guilty by association because of um, the series that it had been associated with, the films to die for. So the film right away, when I, when I started the film, the thing that really impressed me was how great it looks. It doesn't... It seems like uh, Shanklin kind of falls in, not so much that his... The he, he's not reminiscent of Ben Wheatley in the in his themes or um, or what have you. In fact, quite the opposite. He seems to be more interested in looking at kind of the upper middle class of Britain and their travails, if this film's any indication. Whereas Wheatley takes a much more kind of kitchen sinky approach. But just how well this film looked for a genre film. It looks really great. Um, It feels really dark. It almost even feels like, you know, the Spaniards and the Mexican directors have been making a lot of kind of really dark, gothic fairy tales. And it kind of feels like that in a way. Um, It's lit really well. It's got a really evocative, moody score that it feels really ominous. Um, So right away, I was like, okay, great. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm into this already. Good stuff. And further to that, it sets the film at Christmas, which works in a way as sort of lampooning of of traditional family values, but also works because Christmas is the most, well, it's the the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? Um, It's when we're all with our family and it's supposed to be just fantastic and eggnog and fireplaces and lots of gifts and all that great stuff. So when you add a film that takes place at Christmas, there's a certain layer of... um, of tenderness, uh, and affection that comes because it's a heightened time of year for people. So it being set at Christmas, uh, I thought it was a good setting. You know, there's some, there's been some great horror films set at Christmas over the years. And, uh, I think I'd like to put this in the, the pantheon of, of really great, um, horror films set at Christmas. Now, <clears throat> this is about the point when I started to really get anxiety in the film. One of the kids starts throwing up and he's, acting a little bit off, and I'm a family man. I got two young boys. One's just turned three. One today is just turned five, and it's a real delicate balance sometimes, um, juggling family and being a parent and doing the right thing for your kids and by your kids and having a social life and disciplining your children and kind of the awkward moments when you don't want to be a lunatic in public or in private with your kids, but they're just, they act pretty wild sometimes, like feral children, and you're kind of left twisting in the wind. Um, so, it right away, there's some of these things that felt, although they had a, a, a nice sheen, they felt grounded in reality and were able to kind of get my anxiety going a little bit, thinking, man, I can relate. This poor motherfucker, this kid's kicking up dust right away. You know, he can't even sit down and have a little dark rum and eggnog. Not that it's about boozing that time of year. Certainly not. But it you get so much anxiety when your kids are going wild somewhere that uh, that when they're acting up, you just feel like you're handcuffed. Like, what do you do? It becomes very difficult. You pull them aside. You get down to their eye level. And, and you um, you talk to them. But it, it's certainly an, an awkward, uncomfortable, kind of emotionally horrifying situation, to be sure. So, anyway, an observation I make as, a, as someone who used to smoke, I smoked actually, I quit uh, five years ago in a month, just before, month before my son was born, um, but it's very weird for me to see parents in films that are portrayed as sort of normal, decent parents still smoking in films, not just, I, I have a lot of friends that, that smoke still, and they're amazing parents, and I'm sure a lot of you are there, still smoke, and you're amazing parents, I know that, I de- interact with you guys on a daily basis, so I'm not saying smoking equates to a terrible parent. But the artifice of film uh, and the, the pressures that come nowadays from studios and so forth—you don't see a lot of smoking in American films. This being a European film, you still see some of the parents smoking. So, just a, I guess a minor observation. Another thing Shanklin does well in this is he—he he doesn't. It's a ni- last actually. It's about an eighty-five-minute film, and he doesn't spend a lot of time telling us how important these kids are to these parents. We, that we know they should be. They're, they're children. And these seem to be pretty decent parents. Um, but he shows us a lot of family photos. Like this is like a, I guess like a cabin of some sorts or a, a country house that this family has. And we get, we get to see all the trips and memories that these families have forged um, along the way. And so it immediately gives us a, a sense of history and intimacy and it raises the emotional stakes for us Because they, they're not just This isn't just a, a child who's going crazy And a parent who can't deal with it it's, You can see in the past that Pictures of them hugging and kissing and, and on trips and at the beach And you know uh, snowboarding and all this stuff So it, it gives you a little more emotional investment in For their characters And um, to kind of get behind their characters And the, the, the events that are about to unfold um, Now in addition to how well it's shot, it, it really feels like they. I think that Shanklin does a really good job of, of conveying this kind of really brutally cold feeling without it feeling um, heavy handed. Like the film has a bit of a, not a glacial feel in terms of tone, but in terms of feel. And um, it, it's very meticulously. A lot of the shots, the way they're framed, a lot of the, the set pieces, the way they're framed and they, the way they unfold, it all feels very meticulously done. And the camera work, he, you know, he, he goes between, switches between some kind of nice slow-mo stuff. He employs a lot of overhead stuff that I was talking to a friend of ours. I want to say, was it Joe? Oh, it wasn't Joe. Uh, I can't remember who it was now. Forgive me. But we were talking about how they were, Oh, it was um, Micah. And he was just saying how, you know, some shots feel very Hitch, as in Hitchcock and... Uh, and I agreed, and um, you kind of get that sense from from the director, without it being kind of heavy-handed in terms of what he's homaging. Um, Now, I don't know if this was ever discussed, or mentioned, or anything else, but I thought the film took place in England, there's a fair bit of snow on the ground for England. Now, I know you guys get a little powder there, but I don't know, man, there's going to be a little too much powder for jolly old England any time of the year, so... That's something I did think. But, I mean, really minor quibble. I, it, it doesn't even really register, frankly. It was just more looking at a film with a critical eye. I naturally noticed, oh, this is, this is interesting. This is snow, and they're English, so it doesn't really coincide. Um, yeah, so that's that. Uh, I do feel that another thing that the film kind of gets under your skin with quite effectively because it sets up a lot of stuff emotionally is... This fear that you have as a parent that your child is this kind of bad seed, or not even this bad seed, to to overstate what that is. But um, a lot of times when you have uh, kids, you know, anyone's kids. You no kid's a a robot. They're not Vicky. They're not Small Wonder. They're going to act up a little bit. Um, We always end up getting these feelings of, oh my gosh, is it only my kid? Is my kid the one that does this? And I like how Shanklin really. Um, he's able to evoke how these parents are feeling without, again, getting into a lot of needless... Um, sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get on the highway here. doesn't get into a, a lot of needless exposition. You can kind of see just through the, some looks that the parents give. Like, there's moments when there's two fathers there, and one father's having fun with his kids, and the other father, he's trying to have fun with his kids, but it, it, there's a disconnect with him and his kid, and... You can kind of see the other father lamenting it. Like, it's not like... It's not a one upsmanship Like, I'm super dad and you're a, you're a, a fucking dirtbag. Uh, they're all... they All the characters seem to get along quite well. But you just see the father lament that maybe he doesn't have this Hallmark kind of relationship like the other dad does. And I think they... It was a nice touch. Again, it it makes it feel real. And, um, and again, it allows you to kind of invest in the characters. Um, and further, I think, with some of those fears, I think the way it looks at this fear... ...of your child getting sick... ...I can tell you that... ...again... ...being a a parent... ...when... um, ...when the swine flu hit... ...I had had my son... ...he was about... ...I don't know... ...I'm going to guess... It was under two probably... ...and there was days... ...we would hear in the news... ...this kid died... ...this happened... ...I would stay up at night crying... ...I was so afraid that... ...I was going to get sick... ...and I was going to die... ...and I was going to leave my family... Or that my son was going to get sick, and there'd be nothing I could do to help my my son. Um, and there's nothing in the world that's more gripping, and more um, switching lanes uh, is more kind of upsetting to feel powerless when it comes to your children. You you want to feel that you can control anything and everything when it comes to your kids. That you can you will be able to shield them from everything that life throws at them. And that sometimes when life throws things you, you can't shield them from. Like a sickness, it's terrible. And this film, you get that with this. Now, the parents in this film don't realize early on the extent to which the children are sick. But um, there's still that sense you get from the parents. And you can certainly relate to that as a parent. And further to that, I think that they do a good job of, of showing something that I think a lot of people... Feel and, and these the people in this film, as I said earlier, were they're upper middle class. I mean, they got money. They can go on trips, and they got a little country house, and they, they're nice. You know, they're not like models, but they're they're well dressed. I mean, you know, you can tell they got a few bucks. They're, you know, they they clearly drive. You know, they're nice Volvos and and their Mercedes uh, SUVs and what have you. And um, it just kind of shows that when you got this problem with your kids, whether it's a sickness or a disconnect. Emotionally that nothing else fucking matters, man Like all that shit just means nothing And I think they do a good job of that with these With these kids, like, they, it never feels like It's someone like, a, a Michael Haneke or, like a Lars or, or a director who's commenting On how Vacuous, um A certain Uh, lifestyle is You know, or, or it's not lampooning Or not even lampooning This kind of black social kind of scathing Look at, um at uh, a certain cross-section of of, of of sort of the upper middle class. It never feels like it's it's critical of them in that way, which is good. And uh, I like the... What does this say? Oh, uh, again, a lot of the stuff that, that Shanklin employs to kind of raise the stakes and to really kind of get under your skin is things that feel very grounded in reality. There's a moment when the parents are looking through an album, a photo album, and they can see that all these photos have been scribbled on. The faces have been really violently scribbled on in, like, a red marker and black marker and, a, you know, black eyes drawn on some of them. And it just, they've, not to the point where there's, like, heads rolling or anything, but these pictures have been really aggressively and violently kind of drawn on. And it, it's just, again, it's unnerving. You see the kind of the reaction shots from the, the mothers, And it's that thing, oh my gosh, is this my child? Did my child do this? And it becomes that thing where where do you start to navigate this emotional mountain or this minefield? So it works well. It's not the fantastical stuff of them pulling the wings off a bird and and all sorts of kind of shit like that. But mind you, when Shanklin does need to kind of step things up, I think he does a good job of, of using his editor to really get some frenzy going. Um, like there's a scene early on at the dinner table when things are still relatively normal. Some kids are a little bit sick, but uh, it just looks like it's a normal kind of flu, stomach bug, you know, a little bit of vomiting and what have you, but some shit goes down at the dinner table and it's pretty awful. Like it's, uh, yeah, it ends pretty nastily, but throughout the film and more so in a lot of horror films that I've seen recently, the editing is used to kind of create this really frenzied Insane feeling And it does a perfect job Of being able to nail that So kudos to Shanklin I I don't Unfortunately I don't have IMDB open Because I'm driving And I have earphones in here So I'm trying to be safe And not you know, get on IMDB While I'm in traffic Even if it's crawling along Um, And that again At this point The stakes just keep getting Higher and higher and higher Shanklin's patient enough And I don't know what Shanklin I meant to look up What he had done prior to this because it felt like a real real even hand as far as how he was gonna dispense or ratchet things up. Because they're immediately found that there's a there's a scene tobogganing with some of the kids and a parent that it is a pretty horrendous scene and it ends with a with a pretty nasty punctuation. And it's um, yeah, it ends and then it, it so now things have, I think the line has really been drawn in the in the sand, or I guess more accurately in this case the snow. Let me kind of see what's what's really going to shake out here. And it becomes that thing that in the wrong hands, you hate the kids and you want them to get fucking destroyed. And in the right hands, up until a certain point, you still have that, you still are going to give pause as an adult. Even if you don't have kids. I mean, somebody could say, fuck that, man. You know, I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll do whatever it takes. And sure, maybe in the end you could. But with children being as precious an entity as they are, you have to give pause. And I think they do a good job of showing the parents give pause. Uh, the par- the parents give pause, but it, a few times maybe, but more often than not, it doesn't feel like, okay, come on, like you got to swing something here. Um, it They handle it well enough that it's that, reluctant what the, the parents have to do, much like in Who Can Kill a Child when the couple gets on the island. And you get to a certain point where things have to kind of stack up before you realize that there really is no... Um, no other way, right? Because that's important in, in a film like this. Because if you don't have that, a lot of the stuff that happens early on you're gonna just you're gonna get frustrated with because there shouldn't be this um this overwhelming sense of bloodlust when it comes to kids. We automatically as adults should not want to to kill these kids, right? Because they're not monsters. I mean, this isn't um even the way he portrays this and ratchets it up with the kids, it doesn't feel like you really fucking hate these kids right away. Like, you know shit's gonna go down, but um, he doesn't make them overly evil, like with all of them. I like, got these black eyes and they're, you know, they're like the, the kids from the brood in the snowsuits, like it, or the, which is more of, I guess, a physical manifestation of something, but that's neither here nor there right now, I guess. Um, but the kids still feel somewhat sympathetic and. Uh, you know, despite some stuff being kind of orchestrated by the kids, you're still kind of like, okay, is this one okay? Is this kid sick? Because you're, you're really uncertain. And I like that he doesn't kind of give you this whole pack of kids. Kids are individually shown with their parents, and they're kind of preying on their parents versus having a bloodlust for anything. And in that sense, it kind of made me think of even Long Weekend, the Australian film. Um, although this was viral... Um, the way nature kind of rebelled against humanity or mankind, just kind of the way that the children rebel against parents, I and mean, we never get an indication, like I said, these parents are, are shit heels, but it kind of feels that way a little bit, um, yeah, in that, um, it's this, this rebelling or this, um, uh, I don't know, this, um, sorry, I'm driving, I'm so awful at multitasking it never feels like they're planting their flag uh, in the sand as, or the snow as a, as a proclamation of, of, um, of anything against the parents, necessarily. It just happens to be this viral situation. So anyway, um, the kid film sort of keeps moving along, and and, they, and this is where I start to see that maybe Shanklin had a, wanted to shoot in the snow for other reasons. The aesthetic of shooting in the snow, as we've often talked about on the GGTMC, is how wonderful blood looks on snow. And there's a handful of, of sequences or shots in this film where there's uh, this sort of this awful kind of horrifying tableau the overhead or there's a really great sequence where it's like a snow cone and the snow's white and we see the blood slowly start to saturate the snow really slowly but it's like, an, like a, when a snow cone's being made and that red dye is being squirted onto the, uh, the ice shavings and it looks really, really great. Um... What else do we got here? Got a whole mess of notes on the children, yo. Whole mess of notes. Give me the crinkle crinkle. Uh, oh, there's a scene with the jungle gym. Again, I think they, they use some the set pieces in the film really well. Because we've often talked about the shortcomings physically that children would have in taking down adults. But in these films, the children are putting themselves in peril. So that the adults will come to their rescue. And as the parent you're doing everything you can you may think why are you doing that just come here come here and these scenes are played out really well because the children are using their biggest strength to their advantage which is their vulnerable their perceived vulnerability and innocence as sort of being the um you know all the the these like damsels in distress as it were um now once the film gets really going towards the back half the gore is pretty brutal and it's well done there's a great mix of practical and i want to say cg effects um there's a moment in this, there's a really great moment with a, some blood and glass on a xylophone kind of a punctuation to the end of a scene. But there's a moment uh, in this with an earring that's awful. But that is even punctuated literally and figuratively by some, some trauma that anyone familiar with Lucio Fulci's filmography would know he had a fixation with a certain, a certain um, aspect of the human anatomy that he loved to, to puncture to violate or to penetrate and Fulci would, would stand up and clap. This is some fucking awful trauma. Um, what else do we got here? Uh, oh, it also feels in a way like a Cronenberg thing, right? Like, um, Cronenberg, uh, a lot of times actively, um, his films were kind of a way to work on some of his neuroses, whether it was about the human body or as we talked about the brood and Sylvan Gold talks about this week on a really fantastic discussion with the brood, with Tenny and Wendy, um, the physical manifestation of, of, of some of the things that were going on and working out his divorce and his child custody battle. But some of this feels a bit like that in some ways, maybe for Shanklin, but at the same time feels detached enough that it works as a, as a, a crowd pleasing horror film. Um, as a North American, we drive, we have our steering wheels on the left hand side if I'm inside the vehicle, whereas in Europe, in Britain, um, it's on the right hand side. So as a dummy Amer- North American, there's a scene when a child gets into the car and I'm thinking to myself, why is the child driving? That makes no sense. That's a nine year old child. And then I realize, wait a second, this is incorrect. They're in Britain. The stream wheels on the right side for them. So anyway, that's that. A little bit of forehead smacking. Um one thing that I wish they kind of hadn't even really mentioned because I feel at this point it's been overdone and it's just sort of the the quick and dirty way to to, to um to justify to justify uh, in, in uh, a lack of contact to the outside world is the cell phone connection's dead You get weather and remote locations That seem to knock out cell phone towers and what have you It's done in this I almost feel like they didn't even really need to do this Because shit was going down so quickly in this film That I don't think they needed to really justify Some of the things that they were Kind of having to feel like they had to explain away um, What else do we got here? Uh, the violence overall, as I'd said Very well framed it looks really great. I'm really impressed with the violence in this film. It It's stylish. with, with, with We're still packing a punch. It doesn't feel like... An, it's grim enough that you're not like, Yeah, man. Fucking awesome. You actually cringe because the violence is pretty brutal. But it's well done enough that you can appreciate the craft of it. One more thing I'm very curious about is there's a scene... I'm not going to spoil how it happens, but there's a scene with either a little stunt man, like a little person stunt man, and a car. I have to wonder how they shot it. Because it's it seems like it's done in a single take. There's no cuts. And someone gets hit pretty far pretty hard with a fucking car. So maybe it was C they CG'd a dummy and I, I don't know what they did, but it's a really impressive sequence. I never got the sense any of this this sequences in this film felt um uh, like, they didn't work. Everything worked in this film, violence-wise. And I love the ending of this film. Because when there's a reveal at the back end... I don't want to say what necessarily happens. Because I think it, was gonna, it would reveal too much. But you're so caught up in your own shit that you... That when a reveal happens, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's right. And then the film ends. Um, so that's that. So let me get into everything here. This film is a treat all the way. I really, really dug it. I'm very pleased with Aaron. I have to say, like I said, I've been a bit... Leery on modern horror But this thing fits the bill, man it's, it's a real crackerjack of a film My make or break is the sequence With the Fulci-esque trauma uh, There's some stuff that's going on right before that That's brutal And then that, that's just the real punctuation To the scene, it really works well I could have gone with a number of scenes A scene in like a greenhouse um, Just a number of scenes, they're really well done My MVT Shankland. kudos to him Because again, in the wrong hands This film could have been another obnoxious kind of evil child film, but it's not that. And he looks at it a little bit differently than we've seen with a bit of a a viral infection, uh, which we've seen in sort of some zombie films of sorts, uh, like the 28 Days films that Boyle did, but we've rarely seen it like this. Score, 8 out of 10. This was a really solid film. I'm I'm definitely going to buy it. I can't wait to hear the commentary track. Uh, Kudos to Shanklin. I'm going to keep an eye on everything else he does. And with that, I am going to say adios. All right, all right. You've been listening to the Midnight Ride with Large William, baby. Stay tuned for another episode where we bring the pumpkin oh, to the, 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 the bumpkins head. and the hangman's rope to the city foes. Oh, How? Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll avait ennuie. Mr. Hyde qui était son mauvais génie. Mr. Hyde ne disait rien. Mais en secret, n'en pensez pas moins Je vous dis que je ne suis pas le Dr. Jekyll Jekyll. Que mon nom est Hyde, Mr. Hyde Dr. Jekyll n'a eu dans sa vie Que des petites garces qui se foutaient de lui Mr. Hyde, dans son cœur, prenait des notes